If you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com slash kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, got another little Board Game Design Lab community spotlight. And today, we're talking about teaching game design. How do you do that? How do you do it effectively? And we're talking to Matt Bivens, a guy that's been part of the Board Game Design Lab community since way back 2016. He, he's an OG, been around since the beginning, and now he does a lot of work with SoCal playtesters and just does some really cool things out in California. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, having me, and i um, so glad to uh, get a chance to be on here and uh, share the knowledge that I have that I gained through this show partially <laughs> and through other means as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you say that, but at the same time, you've been teaching game design since 2005. So you've been doing this a while. I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. You've worked for several different schools, several different programs. You've helped to build programs and you've taught video game design, board game design, visual arts. Like you've done a lot of really cool stuff as far as this kind of uh, stuff goes. And so, yeah, just excited to pick your brain for a little bit and talk about how do you how do you do that, especially in the context of people with maybe kids, you, you do a lot of teaching with high school students. I've done teaching with high school students. That's its own genre. Like we could probably talk for a few hours about how to do that effectively. <laughs> yeah, teaching trying. high schoolers is, is <laughs> a big subject. No doubt. Although maybe not as challenging as teaching middle school. Uh, I feel like oh. those people are just doing the Lord's work. You know, that saints, they are. Above, yeah, saints on a whole, a whole other level. But uh, anyway, we're, we're going to try to just kind of com- uh, compile your knowledge into a you know 30 minute or so chat about teaching game design. I feel like there's a lot of people that listen to this show that have kids or have relatives, have you know people that they know that they would probably benefit from being able to talk about game design and concepts and bring them into the fold, so to speak, and, and get them on the same bandwagon that we're on. But uh, before we get into all that good stuff, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Okay, so I'm uh, Matthew Bivens. Uh, started playing Dungeons and Dragons in the fourth grade. And, you know, always had an interest in games, but uh, got into board game design uh, through teaching video game design. Um, back in 2004, I started my career as an educator and went looking for my colleagues during lunch, my first day uh, of pre-teaching, and found a bunch of them in this multimedia career academy meeting and they were all saying, this is what I'm going to be teaching. That's what I'm going to be teaching as far as the visual and performing arts. And I was like, well, are you going to do anything with uh, 3D modeling and stuff like that? I was really into the idea of doing that. And uh, the 
head of the program came back to me a few days later and said, how about video game design? And my love of games, I was like on board for that. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to figure out how to do this and went and took lessons on doing 3D modeling. Um, and then because I was doing um, this video game design stuff in 2005, teaching kids how to use Maya, um, a lot of you know content related to games started coming at me, um, and I started to filter it. I found about I found out about the Game Developers Conference, and there was money in this Multimedia Career Academy to go to conferences, and nobody was really doing that. So I got to go up to San Francisco and hear people in the special interest group on games education, and I heard about paper prototyping and making giant versions of card games and board games and had like a million and one ideas, brought it back to my second year of video game design students. And I mean, we were making like, we were cutting out little things and making platform levels. And uh, then I think it was 2008, I ended up at this art educators forum in Savannah, Georgia, Savannah College of Art and Design. And I got to take, I, I did a like six hour session with Brenda Barthwild, um, big in video games, but she's also done some experimental uh, board game design. She, um, kind of my first like experience with contemporary board games there. And um, that really like pulled the trigger on how to change up my video game design program to include more designing right of games not just making the art of games and then um 2009 hit and i transferred to a different school after being laid off and then um continued teaching game design to the best of my ability uh in a new context and um, in 2012, I started going back to board game conventions I had gone when I was a kid um, and once or twice in college. But um, my dad said to me, hey, what are you really into right now? And I'm just like, I've been trying to make this game. And at the board game convention, I started meeting board game designers and hooked up with the Southern California Playtesters or SoCal Playtesting. And that's when I started to design board games and um, really bring that process into my classroom. Yeah, very cool. And so let's get into why this is important. You've obviously been doing this for a while, like 17, 18 years at this point. So obviously you believe in it. Hopefully, I don't I don't think you're doing this for the paycheck. I, I've seen school teacher paychecks. I've received school teaching paychecks and <laughs> Exactly something you're doing for the money, uh, for the most part. And so tell me about why this is important, why other people should realize or should think that this is important, why other people should should want to be part of this. Give me like the why behind it all. Well, there's um, two main things that I think my students will take from it that, um, you know, not just like, hey, look at this game I made, but it's uh, the design thinking process and then giving and receiving feedback. And those are two critical things that we all need in life, right? Um, to be able to think about 
the problems we have presented to us and what the next steps forward are, uh, right? And we do that with a prototype in board game design, but how can we do that with other things in life? Um, and then uh, giving and receiving feedback is just so crucial. And um, that has been something that I've developed over the years. And I feel like I've got something relatively solid, uh, but it's still changing. Like I did something new with how the students give feedback uh, last week. So um, yeah, those are the two key things that that I think students will take away from it. Um, and of course, it it's play and it's fun. And when there's so much academia, right, that studying for the tests, right, that kind of thing, um, that to to have a break in the day where they get to make art is awesome, but that they also get to play. So that's the big takeaway. Yeah, very cool. And and something I've, I've tried to bring into my own classroom is helping kids to understand that it's really about the deeper concepts. Because if you've ever taught kids at any level, you probably got the question of, why are we learning this? Are we ever going to use this? This, oh, you know, yeah. this seems useless out in the real world. What are we doing? And honestly, a lot of what you learn in school, especially, you know, middle school, high school, whatever, it has nothing to do with the actual specific content as far as like Shakespeare or calculus. Like you're probably not going to use it unless you go into very specific careers later on, but it's about the concepts. It's about learning how to do things. And in your case, you're, you're teaching how to receive feedback. I mean, that is universal no matter what you end up doing, unless you end up shipwrecked on a deserted island alone, then you're going to have to figure out how to receive and give feedback effectively if you want to actually do well in the marketplace in the real world no matter what job you go into and so it's so cool that uh you're you're kind of building a foundation of these really exceptional concepts that kids are going to need long term you know going out into life and that's something i found as well uh, problem solving is also one of the main things i feel like kids are learning during game design and, and when they're you know they're having to use their brain to figure out how to overcome an obstacle and like that and so tell me a little bit about that as far as like what kids are learning problem solving wise with your class well it's um it's it starts off with you know each project has its own kind of design challenge to it and so how are they going to take this, you know, idea of making a game and, you know, make the game function, but also give it theme. What kind of art and graphic design are they going to put to it? As this is uh, an art class, right? So there, it's heavy on the art and design uh, visual aspects. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's, it's about, they have to solve the problem of communicating how to play the game, um, you know, making sure that it's clear how to, um, you know, in in a rules document uh, that the the way that the board or cards or other components are laid out are clear. So I try to start really simple, meet them where they're at, and slowly develop a lexicon where they're familiar with. Uh, board game concepts. We start with a standard deck of 54 cards and teach them uh, some graphic design, how to make different icons. Uh, Gameicons.net uh, has a nice little graphic design feature. 
I used to have them download them, go into Photoshop, use all the Photoshop tools, and that just takes up a bunch of extra time where they can get a quick thematic set from just, and it was really helpful when we were in the pandemic and doing everything online, they didn't have access to that. So um, yeah, so how am I going to create icons to represent a theme? How am I going to change um, kings in the corners to uh, play with six different icons? Or how does speed work with six different icons? So um, the that's the first project that I do early in the fall semester. It's a year-long course that we call Design Craft. So not all of the projects are uh, game design. Um, they also do architectural design, interior design, character design. Um, we're currently making puppets before we get back into making board games after spring break. Yeah, it sounds like such a fun class. Now, tell me a little bit more about like how it's structured, and especially as as far as like how like I could do this at home with my kids. Let, let's say I'm not gonna teach it uh, in, in a school or some kind of like organized way, but maybe maybe at home with with a kid, with my own kids, or with family members, friends, something like that. I, I think Jonathan Thwaites, which is, which is another exceptional board game design lab community member, he's been teaching a class at a library to the like neighborhood kids, which I find that just to be an amazing use of time. And so anyway, tell me a little bit about your structure and like how I can maybe use that structure in my own personal way. Okay, so I'm going to hop over to my uh, club and after school program kind of mindset, because you know, what you're talking about is more a small group type of thing where like I'm organizing 36 kids to make games. Uh, You know, when you're working with your kids or a small community group, um, it's definitely making sure that they're familiar with games, right? So uh, with that card game that I, that, that project, we started off just playing game, playing some card games, right? And, um, writing about experience uh, in a small group, we would just discuss it. Um, and then like, hey, w- what do we want to try making different about this, right? Um, you know, could we add this or that? Like kind of what providing like prompts to how can we make changes to this thing that already exists? You know, and it might be... Um, What's your favorite sport? Can we make a thing about that? Or, you know, with, with my, my daughter, uh, she's only two, but we, we play with board games right now. Right. And it's more like, just like, how do these, how do these things feel? How do we move them around? She's a toddler. Right. Um, so as she gets older, I could see myself saying, okay, we've played this game like this what if we tried this? Do you think that would be fun? You know, what if we tried this? So um, with younger kids, how can we make it different? Or like, you know, maybe uh, your kid has a favorite TV show and they also like playing Candyland. So how can we make, uh, you know, what's uh, a Mickey Mouse version of Candyland? Um, or a Winnie the Pooh version of Candyland, right? Um, and, you know, maybe we try drawing some things that we know. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, there's, you know, 
honey, of course, and uh, maybe carrots and all the different things. And, you know, you, it's about brainstorming, um, you know, thematically and also mechanically, right? And um, so as, it, as you get older, uh, one of the things in the high school program, when I, when I had an after-school program, we would play um, a variety of board games. Um, I have a giant collection um, that's now in my classroom. Uh, but thanks to donations, uh, a lot of uh, convention swap meet shopping, I own multiple copies of Carcassonne, uh, King of Tokyo, King Domino, all, all those so that I have multiple people playing them, but try to give them a variety of game experiences and then say, hey, what do you like about these ones? What would you like to use from, say, this one and that one? Um, and provide them with fun materials to play with and change things and really engage in conversation. Um, you know, uh, make, play, and appreciate was something I heard at the Game Developers Conference uh, from some folks in uh, New York. And I thought that that was a really clever, uh, simple approach to game design, right? So make up an idea, play it, appreciate it, give each other feedback, see what you can do differently, and then make changes, play it, and appreciate it. Um, so just, you know, make it a game to make games, I think is the best uh, approach. I mean, my after-school program, there was a group of five or six kids that we ended up, you know, full sheets of sticker paper, uh, printing out, you know, the map that we made for, I think it ended up being some kind of war game or territorial dispute. And, um, and I have that, I have a misprint sticker on in some closet somewhere. We're like, what would we do with this? And, you know, and it's something that we remember, uh, that session by. So, I really like the idea of just giving kids space, just giving them an environment and an atmosphere that encourages play, it encourages creativity, and then seeing what happens. Because I feel like magic is going to happen. They're kids. Kids naturally create stuff. They naturally want to make their own games. And whether they're outside on the trampoline or in the rooms by themselves, like it doesn't matter. Like you put a kid in any space and they're going to create games out of it. And so to just give them that space and kind of somewhat structured to say, hey, we're going to sit down, here's some components, here's some ideas, here's some games we're going to play, let's talk about it, whatever. But just to give kids the environment and the space to uh, come up with cool things, I feel like it is smart no matter what. And some cool things are going to happen out of it. But um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Earlier, you mentioned your feedback system. Tell me about that. Tell me about whatever system you're using now, maybe some things you've learned over the years as far as giving and receiving feedback. Okay, so... Um I, I think that the moment that I really realized how important it was and how to tell a teenager the importance of feedback was summer school. This kid said, "What? why do we have to do this critique and this feedback stuff? And I said, well, you want to be able to articulate things to others, right? So, you know, perhaps, and I'm speaking to a teenager, perhaps your prom date comes down 
you know, and she's in this gorgeous dress and, you know, just knocks your socks off. Are you going to say, whoa, babe, you look hot? Or can you say something about the structure of her dress? Can you say, you know, how her hair is done up? Can you, can you, can you observe the actual reality as opposed to just, oh, that's cool. And he caught on. He, that, that student caught on. And I think I caught the attention of a few others. And so I've tried to develop that in, um, a variety of ways. And it started off with what I learned in college, which was um, describe, analyze, interpret, and yeah, some, um, there was something else to it. It's been a while. But um, I took, I, I, that slowly has changed over the years. Um, I found uh, at one point for the board game design units, uh, Jay Cormier's, um, you know, workbook for giving feedback. I tried using that, you know, uh, had the PDF and it was a little too complex. I love using it myself. Um, can't remember what it's called because it's awesome, but I've taken some parts of that. And then, um, Kathleen Mercury, I don't know if she, I think she's been on your podcast. She also teaches board game design and, uh, had some really great conversations with her over the years. And she has this process, uh, wink feedback. So it's what works, what could be improved, offering new ideas and asking questions. And so I've got multiple versions of that for the type of art. You know, I've got various leading questions, um, you know, and so when it comes to board game design, um, we, we focus each of those areas, um, you know, what works or what could be improved or new ideas or questions about, of course, theme mechanics, but then interactions experience. Um, those, those are kind of the four key things that I focus on in the board game design stuff that we do, uh, you know, in the context of my painting class, it's, you know, we will talk about what works with the techniques that they're using to do the painting, uh, the content, um, the composition, how things are organized, you know, so, um, that, that's, that's the process, right? But one of the foundational things that I start off the year with is, that receiving feedback, the way that you posture yourself for that is very crucial to getting quality feedback. And so I do a kind of silly presentation on it, but my, my core is that you kind of put your hands out to receive and you take it in. You don't have to sit and just take in rude stuff. If somebody's being rude or inappropriate, shut it down yourself or call me over and I'll shut it down. Right. Um, but you know, the, you know, you hear what they see working, what could be improved, um, new ideas and questions, and then you get to choose where on your shelf it goes. 
And so, or your filing cabinet, right? So there's like top shelf, that's some really good stuff. Um, you know, there's the kind of, uh, I, I can kind of, I'll, I'll take some, I'll leave some. Um, and then there's the circular file or otherwise known as the trash can, which you don't have to tell them you're putting it in the trash can and you shouldn't, right? You should say, thank you. That gives me a lot to think about. And, um, I, I think for the most part, my students hear me on that. So, yeah, one of the best best things I ever heard along those lines was chew the meat, spit out the bones. I was like, oh, that's, that's a really good way to look at it. Like, there's there's probably something in what someone's saying that you can learn from, you can gain from, even if they're wording it in a really poor way or saying it in kind of way. It's like, oh, it's kind of offensive the way you just said that. But there's probably a nugget of wisdom or truth in there somewhere. So focus on that. Spit out the rest. I like what you're saying. Yeah. Throw the rest in the trash. Say, thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the tough thing about being a high school student is you're going to be around this person and they're probably going to be it the next time you play tests or a few times down the road. And, you know, so there, there is that kind of stuff. Um, the big thing behind, behind it all is that I, I do want them to do that design thinking, right? So the feedback is a crucial part of the design thinking process, right? So, um, you know, you, you have this problem in front of you and you kind of prototype towards a solution. It's taking, it's, it's doing, not talking. It's, you know, that kind of stuff, which I've heard others talk about on this podcast. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about challenges that you've run into. What are some of the things that you've had to overcome? I can imagine with high school kids that you run into sometimes kids just don't care. They're like, oh, why are we doing this? What's the point? And I don't know if you've run into that. I, I definitely oh, yeah. did and things. Like, okay. So uh, <laughs> how do you overcome that? And what are some of the other challenges you've run into? So first challenge is this is open to any kid. There's no prerequisite. Um, a lot of kids, this is their senior year and you know, they need it to graduate. Um, there's other kids that just, they don't want to do anything. Um, and then there's, do I make it a group project or is it an individual project? And how do I grade a group project? Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, uh, my contemporary board game design unit went out the window. We just didn't do it. Um, which really bummed me out. Uh, I tried having them write scenarios for an RPG, but uh, some some of the bigger challenges are definitely um, getting the students to make the game, not just the art, or get some sort of art to go with the game. Um, have it be like when it's a group thing, have it be more than just one person doing the work, right? How do I regulate that? Um, so those are some of the bigger challenges. Um, the, the grading it, like that's, that's a thing that I have to do. But, um, and then organizing, uh, you know, play tests and teaching them how to play test is, you know, a difficult thing. Um, what are some of the things you teach there? 
Uh, it's how to how to present your game. Um, you know, are you are you playing the game with them or are you watching them play the game? You know, sometimes you need to be one of the players. Um, and it's when I when I teach how to do playtesting, it's you're going to be showing your game to this group today and tomorrow they'll be showing you their game. You'll have a break to revise your game. So really make use of the time so that, you know, since we have a limited amount of time, you have you'll have a structure of here's when to set up. Like I, I break down the timeline for each period and I I say here's when we're gonna need to get feedback so that you can clean up. Like I literally put the time on the screen with a clock so that they know um you know when and how to do what and I give them warnings, you know, it's like in five minutes, you're going to need to wrap up and move into the feedback phase. Um, okay, your game should be set up in the next two minutes, um, and you should start explaining your rules. Okay, if you haven't fully explained your rules at this point, it's time to just start playing, right? Because we've got anywhere from 50 to 56 minutes, depending on which of the three schedules we have that day which is that's another crazy thing about education <laughs> right hopefully not something i have to worry about at home yeah. with my kids yeah <laughs> yeah well, like my pre-marriage um and kid um my after school program like i would have parents coming in at, at like seven o'clock at night and saying hey um I know that this is the room is so-and-so still here and they'd be back in the corner plugging away at Maya or something. I'd, the class went till like five 30, but we would, we would be so into it and we would, you know, our games would be our games or our designs, whatever we were working on. We just, because I was doing it too. Right. And like, I didn't have anywhere to be afterwards. And so, you know, when when you don't have that structure of time, that is just great. And um, you know, having done a contest at a con where you meet up with a few people that are into designing games, and you all work for a day to make a game, um, you know, that's a really cool experience. And it's you know, that's more along the lines of what I would kind of structure it as outside of the classroom. It's also one of the big challenges for me is when do I say, okay, I've put enough effort into other people's games. I've given them the feedback and the direction, and now I just need to let them go. And then when it comes to grading um, and giving feedback, I, you know, I can't, pour in paragraphs and paragraphs, right? I, I keep it simple and the feedback happens in person. It's dialogue and hopefully they take it in. Hopefully they can apply it outside of the context of the board game that they made and uh, use what they learn for problem solving in multiple contexts.
Right. Eventually, you have to let them leave the leave the cage, let them fly on their own, and uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they don't fall like a brick. But sometimes they do. But you have to give them the opportunity, right? Yeah. To uh, get out there and, and do things on their own. Well, Matt, this has been great. Anything else? Anything else you want to leave listeners with or, or talk about as far as teaching game design? Well, there's uh, a big surprise when it comes to teaching. And I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Gabe, where that kid who you didn't think was paying any attention at all comes back and gives you a real big thanks for what you did teach them. And so be mindful of how you're teaching, what you're teaching, and really give it your all so that um, those ears and eyes uh, can see the uh, the the bigger picture. Um, one of the the moments that I had was with the video game design. I had a student uh, come back. He was in college now, and he was studying video game design. And I thought he never paid any attention. Like that was my observation of him. But he said he came back and he asked if he could say something to my video game design class, and he said, "You should pay attention." He's building a foundation for you that you can use if you pursue this. And I was, I was floored, right? And there's plenty of other experiences that I've had like that where what you put out there has some real effect. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could talk, again, entire podcasts worth of, of people probably in our own lives that have had that impact on us. Oh, yeah. And, it, yeah, it's so important just to, just to realize what kind of a difference you can make in a kid's life like you said, and not even really know it at the time, you know, not even really realize it. Um, so up until I was in 12th grade, I hated English. I hated reading. I hated writing. It's like, what are we doing? Why? I've got better stuff to do. I just want to play sports. I want to play football. Like, who, who cares about all this reading and writing foolishness? But then my 12th grade year, I had a phenomenal English teacher who just the way he taught I don't know. I guess it was just a little bit different than other people and his personality. And he just took a real uh, strong liking to me. And he was able to kind of open me up in ways that I had never, never thought of as far as reading and writing. And I ended up majoring in English in college because of him. I majored in creative writing. Eventually, years later, became an English teacher. And I modeled my classroom and like the way I taught and the way I did things based on him and how he taught and things like that. And so, again, you just never know how one teacher, one person, one relationship can drastically change the trajectory of a kid's life. And so if you get that opportunity, um, like you're saying, don't don't waste it and uh, realize it realize it, and be intentional with it because it, it could make a really big difference. Yeah, exactly. And teaching is really just relationships on a large scale, you know, and, you know, you're going to make mistakes. So when you do, make sure that you own it and make it right. Yeah, 100%. Well, Matt, where can people find you online or do you have anything that you want to shout out? Any projects you're working on you want people to know about? Um, I, I'm i on Facebook. You know, that's that's my main stomping ground. But um, let's see here. It's at Bivens Art Class on Instagram and uh, Twitter, but I don't use Twitter really. But I, I was in an educational conference in Qatar and somebody said, Oh, you got to do these things. So I made those handles on Instagram. I've been doing a um, daily streak of art. So if you want to see some of my paintings and things that I've built and 
all that stuff. That's out there. Um, but find me in the Board Game Design Lab community. Awesome. Well, Matt, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you being a, a just a valuable member of the BGDO community and all the ways that you give people feedback there and commenting and you know talking to people uh, in the community. Really appreciate you. And you've been there since the beginning. And so again, I just really appreciate uh, how, how involved you are. And uh, yeah, thanks again for, for being here on the show. Good luck with your continued designs, continued game, you know, continuing in your game design class and everything else you got going on right now. And thank you for a wonderful podcast community and um, yeah, this opportunity as well. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?